Blog Talk Radio. to the 411 Ground and Pound radio show. I'm your host, Robert Winfrey. I want to start off by apologizing for my voice. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've been sick most of the week, and I'm not completely over it just yet. So, uh, again, sorry about that. I will do the best that I can for today. <laughs> uh, one quick... Uh, scheduling note that I want to get out of the way at the top. This is actually going to be the last show of the year uh, for the Ground and Pound radio show. Next week is Christmas Eve. Wasn't going to be doing a show then anyway. The week after that is New Year's Eve. And had there been a show the first week in January, I might have tried to make something work. But seeing as the first show of 2018 isn't until the 14th, it's the second week in January. So the long and the short of that is we'll be back on the calendar here. We'll be back on the 7th uh, to review 219 and preview uh, Fight Night 124. Where are they? in St. Louis. Why is that a Sunday card? Eh, who knows. Anyway, we'll... So on the 7th, we'll be previewing Fight Night 124. So this will be the last show of the year for this, so... uh, Thanks to everyone for the support this year, and we look forward to getting next year going, just, you know, making it better, hopefully. Hopefully I don't sound like I have a frog in my throat. Anyway, tonight we will be reviewing fight, excuse me, UFC on Fox 26. Weird card. Uh, In a couple of respects, there were some good performances. There was some weirdness on fight week. Uh, A couple of fights, well, one fight fell through due to weight issues, and another guy missed weight, so we'll go through all that. Uh, We will also preview fight, excuse me, UFC 219. Uh, which will take place on the 30th, which is a really good, it's a really good main card. Um, <laughs> you've got the return of Carlos Condit. He's fighting Neil Magny. Uh, Jimmy Rivera and John Lineker should be all kinds of fun. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov and Edson Barboza. I hate Conor McGregor for what he's done to this division in terms of the logistics of it. And the main event is for the women's featherweight title. It's between uh, Chris Cyborg and Holly Holm. It's basically the best women's featherweight fight you could possibly make. So 
<clears throat> Excuse me. We'll be going through all of that. If you would like to call in and have a question or a comment that we can address rather quickly, please do so at 323-657-0901. If you would rather tweet, you can tweet me at WinfreeMMA, or you can leave comments on the post on the Radlich and Broadcasting Network Facebook page where this player is embedded. All right, with all that out of the way, here with me for... This evening, we have 411 Mania's jack-of-all-trades. Jeff Harris is with us. How are you doing, Jeff? Good evening, Robert. And since this is the last show of the year, this is the last time of the year, I will say, go Houston Astros, 2017 World Series champions, suck at Yankees, suck at Dodgers. All righty. I hope you're doing okay, Robert, but I just want to say I think you sound really good this way. You sound cooler. I will start smoking tomorrow then. <clears throat> now, I'm I'm over I think the worst of like feeling just completely crappy. I should be 100% by like Wednesday. Yeah. I had that problem a little while ago. It's that time of the year. Yeah. Mucinex right. really helps me at at times like this. Yeah, I've had things coming out of my nose and mouth that I'd rather not think about too much. <clears throat> Okay, our main event from last night, UFC on Fox 26. Um, oof, this one. This was really interesting to me. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos defeats Robbie Lawler via unanimous decision, 50-45 across the board. Um, Dos, so, Dos Anjos pitched a complete shutout against Lawler. This was a really interesting fight. Uh, there was a couple of really important shifts in tactics from Dos Anjos. Normally he's the pressure fighter. That's where he's excelled is when he's going forward, he gets you, he can, you know, beat you up to the leg and body with kicks because he kicks hard. I don't really think uh, his, the power in his kicks was getting enough credit prior to this. And that includes me, by the way, I, I didn't factor it in as much as I should have. Gets you along the fence, takes you down, smashes you, passes your guard. Um, it's, that's where he's really at his you, best. You know what this fight reminded me of, Robert? What? Uh, the Dosanos Pettis fight. In a couple of ways, yeah. There's a lot of similarities, but I think the big thing that surprised me about the first couple of rounds was that Dosanos won them going away. Uh, Lawler did a lot of Lawler's coming forward. Best, I mean, Lawler did Lawler did have his moments in the first and second rounds. But yeah, the first the first two rounds were close. Uh, they weren't well, blowouts by any stretch of the imagination. Marginally close, but competitive. I don't know. To me, Lawler seemed way too content and laid back with Dos Anjos, I guess just getting in so much offense on him. Um, and I don't like how he does that sometimes. He tends to do that a lot. Yeah, it's been a problem he's had to deal with for a while. Um, the leg kicks from RDA in this fight. Oh, he mixed it man. up. He mixed it up. He did, but like he tore the cra- he, he uh, Lawler had a really gnarly bruise uh, forming on his never, lead leg calf. Lawler's never been good about checking leg kicks. Melvin Manhoff uh, used them quite effectively against Lawler before he got. Knocked out when they fought in the strike force. 
Um, it was also so one of the most. It but, was the most successful scoring technique that Johnny Hendricks used on him. Yeah, were those but, leg kicks? Just, you can't. You can't. All you also can't um, downplay uh, how he messed up his body too. He did a ton of body work on Lawler here. These kicks two, to the body, both of those guys, punches. they did horrible things to each other's midsections. Dos Anjos especially, though. He he worked over Lawler's midsection a lot. Um, yeah. The, he hit some really no, hard knees no in the first. And... Me, I think that, that I, not just the leg kicks, but the body shots, too, I think, did a lot in just, I think, keeping Lawler on his heels. And just keeping him up against the fence for like almost the entire second half. Yeah, that big flurry that Dos Anjos had in the second, I think, started because he hurt Lawler to the body, and that was insane. Uh, they did commentary informed us of the statistics for that bit. It was something like twenty-four seconds of uninterrupted punches uh, thrown by Dos Anjos at Lawler. Yeah. And he threw, I think uh, they said 48, 49. And that that didn't gas him out completely is insane to me. I mean, if you've never tried to do that, it, it will kill your arms. And he went to the body and head. I want to give Lawler a lot of credit for doing a lot of really good uh, shoulder rolling and you know, kind of moving with the punches that were aimed at his head to kind of keep himself around. A lot of guys would have been very upright and might have gone to sleep. Um, it almost seems to defy all logic that Desanyas can be this good at welterweight, but <laughs> he is, so I don't really know what to say. I'm not trying to make accusations here, but I don't know. You know for I, a... I, I guess I, I didn't expect him to be this strong moving up. I guess that's yeah. It, it, the way he he was, I expected Lawler to have an advantage in the clinch because of the physical difference, but. Dos Anjos more than held his own, and then... He manhandled Lawler multiple times. Just yeah, muscle. He's a physically strong, physically strong guy. Um, the big turning point came in the third round. Um, Lawler had taken, again, some pretty nasty leg kicks to his lead calf, uh, and it, there was some serious bruising and swelling going on there. But he got kind of tripped up and pushed over uh, on a, it, essentially, he wound up on his back, and Dosan just wound up on top. And he complained between rounds that his he's a southpaw, so his left leg, not the one that had been kicked, but the other one had actually, his knee got tweaked during that exchange, and his mobility was just shot after that. I mean, he spent almost the entire fifth round just putting his back on the fence as a means of limiting how much he had to move. Uh, this was... This was a great, great fight from Rafael Dos Anjos. I don't know what the timetable is on Tyron Woodley. I know he needs, uh, I think it was shoulder surgery. Excuse I think me. he's not sure about the so- sh- uh, shoulder surgery, but, I mean, this pretty much puts him right in line unless, I don't, I don't know what's going on with GSP right now. He might, GSP might not even fight again. He, he's dealing with colitis. Woodley's got the shoulder thing. Just don't don't start another interim title, please, Dana White. It, it's really, it's not. Nec- don't and do it. Here's, here's the other thing about that. This, 
this was RDA's third fight this year. Uh, he's been busy in 2017. Right. I mean, he beat Tarek Safadine in June. He beat Neil Magny in September, and here he beat Robbie Lawler. If I'm RDA, I don't mind waiting. You know, if Woodley has to rehab an injury for a couple, and it takes until you know, you don't want to go too late, but say May or June before they can make that title fight. If I'm him, I don't hate that. <laughs> um, man, I. I kind of agree with I, – I did not expect RDA to be this successful this quickly at welterweight. I mean, he never struck me as a massive lightweight, but apparently that cut was not – was pretty significant for him. And, you know, I – it, it, It's it's remarkable. He's He's had a pretty remarkable UFC career in the first place. When you think about where he started – For a guy who started four and four – and whose debut was getting knocked cold by Jeremy Stevens. It's remarkable. Right. Right. Uh, well, not not four, four and three. Uh, oh yeah, four and four. Yeah. He started four and um, four. Yeah, yeah, that was four and four. Yeah, I mean, uh, guys, great fighters lose, and and you know, other fighters have had you know some pretty impressive comebacks. I mean, Robbie Lawler especially. You know, yeah. uh, Lawler was in the UFC at a young age, uh, left the UFC. And in Strike Force, he was a pretty middling – he was a middling fighter in Strike Force, all things considered. Then he came back to the UFC, moved down in weight, and he became a champion and had one of the most impressive runs of his career. Um, it's very rare for a fighter ever to go down a path like that. So – We've seen, we know Dos, Dos Anjos is a capable fighter, and, you know, he's had humble beginnings. He managed to come back, and he became a UFC champion uh, in a very competitive, bloodthirsty division. And now he's on the cusp of contendership in a higher weight class. Um, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm... you know, he's Hall of Fame material, but he's getting really close. I mean, if nothing else... Uh, I'm going to jinx the guy again. Um, for those of you who don't remember, when after he won the title and then beat Donald Cerrone in his first title defense, I remarked that if Dos Anjos could actually like get to the UFC record for you lightweight title defenses, lightweight I, I said he could be. The... I said he could be. I was very clear about that. He could <laughs> be the greatest. <laughs> and I'm not. Um... I'm certainly not going to call him the greatest welterweight ever, but the type of success he's had across two weight classes, I think he needs to be more in the pound for pound discussion much more than he is. Uh, this is we'll see. This is really a, a really we'll significant see. thing he's done. You see, you see, I I thought a guy like Thompson would like maybe match up better with Woodley, just because of his unique style, than maybe someone like Desanyas would. But then. You know, now that we've seen Woodley fight Thompson twice, fight Maya, and we've seen him fight Lawler, and I mean, he knocked Lawler out. Is 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 Dos Anjos the toughest matchup in the division for Woodley, or does Woodley make him look bad like he does so many other fighters? 
I I don't know. Um, there's some pretty serious questions that could be asked there. We don't know how Woodley does at a high pace over five rounds. I'm not saying he'd gas out and be, you know, a heavyweight. I mean, he did okay last night. He didn't I'm, gas out sorry, last Woodley. night. No, no, Woodley, not Dos Anjos. Oh, Woodley. True. True. We've seen Woodley um, go five rounds, but they've been pretty sedate. They were uh, low. Paces. They were low action. They were low action. Very little happening. Just not a lot of exchanges, and, and they were awful fights. And um, they RDA like, pushes they a pretty really significant cool. pace. So there's Look, that question. Like, I mean, Dos Anjos, Dos Anjos had extended periods where he was just unloading offense, unloading offense on Lawler. And when you see that, you're, you you have to be careful because I mean Cormier said he could could gas out doing that. They and could. He did. I take was a shocked breather. they weren't. <laughs> he did take a breather, but he didn't lose any. I mean, I mean, he went hard for another three rounds after that. He did not get tired in that fight. He did not well, gas I mean, out in that fight. Not at all. I mean, he didn't gas out fighting Tony Ferguson in Mexico City, of all places. And that was after the, you know, cut to lightweight. So this is a very well-conditioned athlete. He did get beat up in that fight, though. He, oh, he lost. That's not really – but he did not – That reminds me. I think if Tony Ferguson But Tony Ferguson, Ferguson has gassed up, out a lot of guys, and RDA never gassed in that fight. If Tony Ferguson were to move up, I think he might be a tough matchup for, for Woodley, honestly. If Tony wanted At to, least, yeah. Tony's a tough fight for anybody. Tony's a big because Tony's a big lightweight. I feel well. He won. He won tough at welterweight, didn't he? Yeah. So I feel like if he if he were to move up, I think he would do fairly well. At well, I don't know if he'd be a contender, but I think he would do well. If he moved yeah, up. Um, it's worth he's mentioning. A long, he's a long, lanky guy, and and he's tough and powerful, and he's a he great is. grappler. I mean, you know, he's a, we know he's dangerous. Every, he's dangerous everywhere. So yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I'm very interested in how Dos Anjos and Woodley might match up. Dos Anjos hasn't had to fight someone. Mm-hmm. Let me double check this. He hasn't fought a really strong wrestler. True. Um, since he fought Khabib. Uh, I mean, you can argue Benson Henderson maybe, but. Benson didn't fight him that way, and that fight ended, you know, very quickly anyway. But so, you know, ha- has he really adapted his game to deal with a strong, uh, explosive Shalarus, wrestler? Kamal Shalarus wasn't a great fighter. Let's be honest. No. He was, but so, he was a talent. Kamal Shalarus was a talented wrestler. Yes, yes, he was. Pro- and probably, probably the best wrestler he's ever fought in MMA. But Shalarus never, you know... In terms of okay pure wrestling, maybe? Yeah, but Shalarus just never... He was never able to translate into a high-level fighter in the UFC. Um, let me see. But, yeah, I, the point being, yeah. I would be very interested to see how he and Woodley would match up. So, I, a lot of... you know, I was really he impressed with those Magni. But... You know, Magny's kind of, he's kind of been hit and miss lately, too. So, even though as much as I like Neil Magny. It's true. It's an intri- I I hope it would at least be better than the Thompson fights and the, and the Maya fights. I don't if, really if see how it could be worse. 
But I mean, <laughs> I think the thing is, if 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 Dos Anjos does that kind of forward pressure, aggressive style, does that take Woodley out of his comfort zone, or is Woodley prepared for that? Woodley's pretty prepared for that. He doesn't mind backing up and then trying to counter you, and he's got significant power. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like he he didn't. He I mean, how would they basically ma- knock out Lawler out that way? So that's what Dos Anjos would have to be careful with. No, he knocked out Lawler going forward. Um, he knocked out. Did he? Hmm. Yeah, he shuffled forward, but he he beat up. Uh, okay, when he beat Condit and um, Gastelum and who's the other one? Uh, Nate Another Burkhart? one in there. No wait, Koscheck. Yeah, all those Koscheck. guys. He, yeah, all those guys. He beat them with punches when he was backing up. He let them kind of come but, forward and throw at him, and then he countered them. Like, his, his boxing and striking is not that technical. I would no, say... No, but he does... But he does... A, he has a very... He has a couple of... I don't want to say simple as a kind of pejorative, yeah. but he's got a couple of very basic techniques that he does very well that people struggle to really account for. And it's, well, led, it's led a lot of guys into a lot of trouble when they try to pressure him and you know strike on him like that. Well... You can't get, as you said, I, I don't know how they could get any worse than those fights with Maya and Thompson. And I think, I would at least hope Dos Anjos would try to win. Like, actually try and do something there. He always we'll tries, see. even if it means he loses. But, yeah, that, I would be, I would be extremely interested in that fight. So, I hope they're able to make it. Uh, as for, I don't know what you do with Robbie Lawler here going forward, but. Uh, you see, I don't want like I don't want to say that like we were seeing Strike Force Lawler again because Lawler did have his moments in the first half. Uh, no, but... this was this wasn't Strike Force Lawler. He just, I think he just wound up dealing with again. I think that knee injury that he sustained in the third really threw off what he might have been trying to do. I think he was what he was setting up. Wait, I think he was. I think I don't know if he was like w- waiting to flip the switch like he did maybe against Hendricks or against Carlos Condit. Um, uh, I think maybe, I don't know if he was surprised at all how, because he did, he did go after Desanius and, and Desanius ate some hard shots. Desanius showed off his chin here. Um, Maybe I don't know. I don't know if Lawler was anticipating that, or, or if he didn't. But it just reminds me that sometimes he has a penchant for letting his opponent just get off so much offense, and and uh, by that point, he's waited too long, and the damage has already been done. And he's done that in multiple fights in the UFC. Yeah. Specifically, the first fight with Hendricks. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, but yeah, again, that was your main event. It was a good five round fight. I was I was really impressed with Dos Anjos here. Um he again seems to when you think about him, he doesn't necessarily, you know, again, rate as uh, you know, an all time great or someone that you really think about in those terms, even contemporarily. But you know, we maybe need to start thinking of him that way because he's we'll, excelled. We'll see. 
if the if the Woodley fight happens and we see how that goes, then I think we can revisit this conversation. Yeah. All right. In the co-main event, woof. Uh, Josh well, Emmett. This is definitely an upset. Definitely. An this upset was, here. Uh, yeah. Lamas was the second biggest favorite on this entire card. Uh, Emmett, and Josh Emm- Emmett missed weight. He did. He took the fight on short notice, but he's still, I mean, you know, even taking it on short notice and you miss weight, it's still, it's still sort of a taboo. It is. Uh, it, again, those are circumstances that a lot of people understand, but it's still not, you know, it's still never a good thing to miss weight. But he knocked Ricardo Lamas unconscious uh, four minutes and 33 seconds into the first round. Uh, this was pretty basic as far as his setup. He took a bit of a leg kick, shuffled uh, as he missed a he missed a right hook. Uh, took a leg kick, but when you miss like that, John Lineker excels at the same kind of setup. Your all your weight can go onto your left side, so when you push off with that leg to throw a left hook, you've got everything you have behind it. And Ricardo Lamas, <coughs> excuse me, just absolutely refused to put his right hand back into a proper defensive position. The left hook of Emmett found his chin, and he was stiff as a board when he hit the ground. Um, this was, again, a significant upset numerically. Uh, this is a big, big win for uh, Josh Emmett. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Emmett had had kind of a ho-hum UFC run this far. Uh, I mean, he'd only lost once, but... He hadn't done anything that you'd write home about. Uh, he barely won his UFC debut. It was a split decision. He beat Scott Holtzman. He lost to Desmond Green. He dropped back down to featherweight. He beat Felipe Aranches. Um, but it it was a weird fight. That was just a, He won cleanly. You know, it was a clean decision, but it was a weird... The way that thing played out was weird. Uh, this is massive for him. I don't know. He's mentioned that he'd be willing to do a rematch with Lamas, given the totality of circumstance behind well, this. Well, I mean, I've... that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. An immediate rematch is not going to happen here. But, um, I mean, this this win's going to move him up. I mean, it's going to move him up the ranks. Um. Because you had Lamas is ranked top three. He was number three in the world going into this, yeah, on the UFC. So I'm not saying you have to put Emmett in the top three, but he's got to – but, you know, someone has to fall off and someone has to move up, you know? Yeah. Because this was – I mean, this was not a controversial loss here. It was a clean one-shot KO. And – my problem with the rankings, of which there are many, is that people writing the rankings don't want to move guys down after they lose. They want to keep them. They want to keep guys, you know. It's like once a guy gets in the top five, like, they want him to stay there no matter what. And uh, that's a problem for me. I, I agree um, with that. Like, let me see here. I mean, I don't know exactly what you do with uh... – 
and like the GSP. Next... GSP's already announced that he's relinquished the title and he's not going to fight at middleweight again. You shouldn't even rank him anymore. He shouldn't yeah. even be ranked. I I agree. With uh, that. All right, understandable. Under uh, like. Like, they've already changed the rankings here. They have GSP at number three in middleweight, and, and Whitaker is the champ. All right. GSP's not the champ anymore. He's not going to fight at middleweight ever again in his career. If he ever fights again, take him off. It's that simple. Don't even let someone else have that spot. Yeah, he was the champ. He won the title. He beat Bisbing, but he's already, he's already been stripped of the belt. He has voluntarily removed himself from the division. He shouldn't be ranked there. Exactly. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Emmett fight. Um, I don't know if Cub Swanson will get back with the UFC, but if he does, I don't hate that fight. I don't hate that fight. That 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 would be that would probably be a decent fight. Uh, he could fight Ortega. If Ortega wants to do that, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Um. Um, let's see. Does uh, does Korean Zombie? He's got to have a fight lined up, right? I think he's injured. I'd have to double check. You do have. I mean, this might be a step down, depending on how you look at it. But you've got Duho Choi and Jeremy Stevens fighting in the near future. He could fight the winner of that. Okay, so I think Young is injured. Um, I would. I would maybe think about doing that fight uh, when Korean Zombie is ready to go again. It, it's pretty much an assured fact that Holloway will probably fight Frankie Edgar next. So, so you can put him with one of those guys, Korean Zombie or Duho Choi. Um, he's fighting again soon, right? Yeah, Choi's fighting opponent. Stevens. All right, so yeah, maybe the winner of that fight I think would be a good idea. Stevens is ranked... Stevens is ranked Stevens number is eight. Stevens is number how is, eight. How is it? I mean, I, I don't really feel he should be ranked. I like Stevens, but I don't think he should be ranked that high, you know? He won his last fight, didn't he? He did, He did, but he, he, he won against Gilbert Melendez, who, let's see, who was 0-3 going into that fight and was making his, uh, all right, it wasn't his featherweight debut. He was, er, had he fought at featherweight before? I'm not. I'm not. Maybe years that. ago, but it was his UFC featherweight debut for sure. It was his UFC featherweight debut. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, Gilbert Melendez. Yeah, it's Gilbert Melendez, but I don't really think like that should put yeah, eight might put actually. You up. I'm looking at that. Yeah, eight's probably a little high for him. Yeah, but just like let, look, here's his here's here's Stevens's record. Beat Melendez before before that lost to. Moicano, who's ranked below Stevens. Uh, Moicano just got Moicano got tapped by Ortega in his last fight. All right, so split the difference there. Then maybe Moicano should be ranked uh, eight, and Stevens should be ranked nine. You know what I mean? Uh, Ten. Darren Elkins is nine. Right. But yeah, I I get your point. Like lost uh, to Frankie. uh, Lost to Frankie. Beat Hen and Burrell. Burrell's not even. At featherweight anymore, so there you go. Brown went back to bantamweight, lost to Max Holloway, beat Dennis Bermudez. Where's Bermudez? Bermudez is number. Bermudez 11. is 
Bermudez might have been ranked in the top ten at that time. It's he was, I seem to recall. But, look, Stevens, here's my point. Stevens is, he's two and three in his last five, okay? To me, you're not, I mean, you're not, you're not a top, you're not a number eight fighter if you're two and three. I'm sorry. Yeah, but anyway, I, I wouldn't mind, again, Emmett versus the winner of that fight would probably make sense, depending on where he lands. I agree. I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Uh, all right, next up, this was a fun fight. Uh, Santiago Ponzin. I called this, yeah. didn't I? Yeah, I think we both did. Uh, for the roundtable, I went with Ponzinibbio. Uh, Dude, Pon- Santiago. Ponzinibbio, man, we need to get him up the rankings. He's He needs a big fight next. I'd agree. He's uh, good. Yeah, Santiago Ponzinibbio defeated Mike Perry via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Uh, the first round was a little bit tentative. Both guys, uh, you know, feeling each other out. Neither one really wanted to make a big mistake. Uh, after that, Ponzinibbio just had a better feel for the range and the technique than Perry did. Uh, they both landed on each other. They were both bloodied up. Uh, this was fun. This was a lot of fun to watch. Ponzinibbio has won his last six. Yeah, he's won his last six in a row. Uh, his only losses in the UFC are to Ryan LaFleur and Lorenz Larkin. And he's now 8-2. and two. Six fights in a row. <laughs> yeah, he needs... Um, look at Walter White real fast, because he was Darren number Till 10. probably. Darren Till or, or, or Masvidal. Yeah, those both make a lot of sense. I'd be down with either of those. Um, uh, you know, Perry didn't look terrible to me. I think he no. showed off some other aspects of his game, but he's definitely got stuff he has to work on. Yeah, uh, this was just a more experienced, more seasoned fighter yeah. beating a guy who isn't quite a, at that level yet as far as... Yeah you know, technical understanding and in-cage decision-making. But there's still a lot of upside to Mike Perry, and I, I mean, we'll see him for a is, while. That discus punch, that was, that was amazing. The way, that the way was he really threw nice. that and got, and got him, and it landed. It didn't, it didn't put Perry away, but it hurt him. Mike Perry has a heck of a chin. I mean, he got hit. Right. Uh, both these guys, uh, they, yeah. they took some pretty serious shots from each other. Again, this was a, this was a lot of fun. Is this your fight this of the could night? Be no. a good, this could be a good learning experience for Perry. He could grow from this or, I don't know, we'll see. But, because um, Ponzinibbio was, the, he was the ranked guy for this fight. This was arguably the big opportunity for Perry to, to get into the top ten. And he wasn't quite able to do it. Um, but, yeah, I think... If if he is going to be a good a better fighter someday, I think this can help him a lot down the line. But we'll see. Yeah. And kicking off the main card, Glover Teixeira defeated Misha Sirkunov via TKO in the first round. Wild, wild disparity in how this fight went over its two minutes and forty five seconds. The first half of this, Misha Sirkunov was really beating up Glover on the feet. Um, Glover didn't have a whole lot to offer him. Then they clinched up. Glover got a, not a full takedown, but they kind of wound up in this weird scramble. I think 
one of them tried to throw. It didn't quite work out. They both wound up belly down, but Glover had... Oh, was it Glover that had the wizard? I think yeah. it was Glover that had the wizard. And Sirkinov knew, knowing, because Sirkinov's not a bad grappler by any stretch of the imagination, rather than try to he fight for position with... Night. He got out grappled, but... Again, he, he's a very decorated grappler, all things considered. He just didn't want to try and fight arm position and tried to get up quickly and unfortunately gave in the process of getting up, gave up his back. Teixeira flattened, uh, rolled him, went for the choke, didn't get that, got him to turtle, flattened him out. Uh, and once, like, it's bad enough having somebody on your back, but if they're able to really flatten you out and exert because uh, when you get somebody flat like that, you're not just sitting on them. You're actually utilizing your hips to force them flat and then back. Uh, I mean, if you, uh, this was a perfect example of it. Sirkinov's feet were actually off of the mat. That's how much pressure, how much downward pressure was being exerted by Teixeira. There was actually a bow in his posture. So there's no, you're not getting out of that. He just pounded on him until the ref stopped it because there was no way he was going to be able to intelligently defend himself. Um, Glover really kind of needed this one. Uh, he was coming off of that really bad loss. Uh, Gustafson's injured. You've got Cormier versus Uzdemir, but uh, you know Glover is still in the title picture, and I don't know exactly Uzdemir's where Uzdemir's got he... the legal problems, so you, you don't know how that's going to pan I... out. I think you keep Teixeira on standby for UFC 220. You might if you have Because like... light heavyweight's a, it's a, it's a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. And dumpster fire. You might have to, you might have to put Manu on speed dial for all we know, or heck, even Shogun. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's enough so to make hilarious. you crazy. <laughs> Shogun might be might be contending for the title against Cormier again, Rob. He might. How do you like that? Such is, I don't, but such is life at the moment. You know, um, Teixeira, he's getting up there in age. And for all his flaws, he's a pretty good fighter. And what I mean by that is he's he's always been well-rounded. He has a good transitional game. And um, he has good cardio. He has fairly good cardio and stamina, I think. And um, he's been in Especially there. for the division. He's been in, he has experience. He's been in there. And, he's, and even through his losses, he's consistently been um, among the top of 205. Even though top 205 is not as competitive as it used to be. He, he's been a competitive fighter in the UFC. He, he's, a, he's a battle-tested veteran. And that counts for something in these type of fights. Maybe not in, you know, the, you know, maybe not when you're fighting John Jones or Gustafson or Johnson, but when you're fighting a guy like Serkinov, that experience counts for something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, yeah, he was, again, he was losing badly on the feet and was able to make the adjustment to force this into an area right. where, I mean, maybe you know, he still might have lost there. And that's what there, good but, fighters do. Good fighters yeah, are able do. to make adjustments. 
They're able to think on the fly. And if one area isn't working, they're able to compensate in another. That's what good fighters do. That's what a fighter like Tony Ferguson, Ferguson, that's what he's been able to do in his run up to becoming a world champion. Um, or, or Max Holloway. Guys, you know, guys who can make adjustments, those are, those are, the good, those are good fighters. Now, maybe, again, Teixeira wasn't able to become champion, but it counts a lot to be able to make those adjustments in a fight like this where a guy's hurting you. Yeah. Uh, again, I think you keep Teixeira on standby for the co-main event for UFC 220, given that, yep. you know, Gustafson's injured. And it's not inconceivable and, and that has the whole yeah. thing going on. Or, you know, Cormier gets injured and you want to slot him against Uzdemir for the interim title because that's what we do now, apparently. Uh, all right. That was it for the main card. It was a, again, it was a pretty good main card. Uh, Tashera and Serkinov ended quickly but had some decent action. Ponzinibbio and Perry was a lot of fun. Emmett and Lamas ended quickly, and Dos Anjos and Lawler was... Again, I was really entertained by that. I was really... I had a lot of fun with that fight, so... Apparently, it did some pretty poor overnight numbers, but... Uh, you know, that happens. Anyway, as for the prelims, Jan Blahovich defeated Jared Cannonier via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Really good jab from Blahovich. Uh, Cannonier just never got a feel for distance... Or movement, he kept lunging to try and close distance. Um, just, I almost wonder if Cannonier wouldn't be better served at middleweight, uh, which he's talked about in the past, because he's a, he's not a big light heavyweight. Uh, your fight of the night was actually Julian Marquez defeating Darren Stewart with a guillotine choke at two minutes of two forty-two of the second round. This was a fun bit of like this was seven minutes of crazy. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Julian Marquez won his contract on Dana White's Tuesday Contender Series. Um, I hope they don't rush him uh, because Darren Stewart had not won in the UFC prior to this, and they were pretty even for a bit. I would like to see him brought along slowly because dude can fight, and he's he's got a personality. He challenged Tyron Woodley to a beard off, uh, which I'm not going to lie, uh, that that – that was probably the highlight of a lot of the a lot of the prelims was just his post fight interview. So don't don't strap a rocket to that guy. Let's let's be smart about this. Um, Chad Laprise defeated Galore Bofando via TKO in the first round. Bofando had some really good stuff going on the feet, but Laprise got it to the mat, and Bofando had nothing for him there. Laprise passed his guard like it wasn't there, mounted him, just beat him up from that position. Uh, you know, Buffondo has a lot of work to do, but he's a young fighter. This was only his, like, eighth fight. So, uh, you know, good good from Laprise. Nordine Taleb, <laughs> woof, knocked the stuffing out of Danny Roberts. Uh, he threw a head kick that was only partially blocked that wobbled Roberts. Roberts wound up on the fence, using it to hold himself up. And Taleb laser-beamed a right hand to his jaw that folded him like an accordion. Um, <laughs> this is good stuff from Taleb, who really seems to be finding his own. He was um, 
he'd been a little back he'd been a little up and down in the UFC. I thought he lost the Jing Leong fight. Uh, he knocked out Eric Silva. He lost to Ponzinibbio, but he seems to kind of be finding himself. So uh, good for him. Uh, John McDessie defeated Abel's for Hio via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Um, another case where Trujillo just only moved in straight lines, and it, McDessie constantly circled, found an angle, countered him. I got a serious laugh out of McDessie demanding, you know, respect because this is martial arts at the end of this after he fouled Trujillo twice in the first round. Um, Alessio DiCirico knocked out Aluolze Pamboche with a knee in the second round. Um, terrible first round. Absolutely terrible. But they wound up in a tie clinch in the second round after DiCirico had finally started cage cutting instead of following. He threw a right knee that missed, but Bamboche didn't adjust. And if someone doesn't adjust when you throw or show a technique, just do it again and harder. Threw the right knee again, threw it harder, knocked him out. He face-planted, uh, again, just completely out cold. And on fight pass, Jordan Mean defeated Eric Silva via unanimous decision 30-26 and then 30-27 twice. I think I had this 30-25. Uh, can we cut Eric Silva, please? Please. That's all I want for Christmas, UFC. Get rid of Eric Silva. Um, Silva just never really had anything to offer Mean in this fight. Um, mean was better standing up, and then once it hit, and then just found a lot of success on the mat, just kind of controlling and smashing Silva from his guard. So, uh, anyway, that was the prelims. There was some good stuff. Was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised by. The action, the pacing, not so much, but eh, what are you going to do? Uh, Jeff, do you have any burning desires from that group of fights? Um, I liked uh, the Marquez-Stewart fight, good fight. Uh, Taleb versus Roberts, impressive win by uh, Taleb. Uh, you know, um, some good performances overall on the prelims. Uh, yeah, it might be time to unload Eric Silva, but we'll see. I mean, technically that time was 2015, but better late than never. (laughs) Uh, All right. Thanks to everyone who read and followed along with my coverage. Uh, Always appreciated. Uh, I had a commenter threaten to send me a uh, a CD of Face the Pain signed by Eric Silva. So thanks for that. Two of my least favorite things. Uh, all right, there is no event this week for the UFC. However, next over the next Saturday, the 30th, we have UFC 219, uh, which we're going to go ahead and preview now. This is the UFC's big year-end closer. And again, the main event, I think it's the best, uh, again, women's fight you can make, certainly at featherweight, which is a barely existent division. But you fe- it features, again, two of the better women in the world. Right. I mean, you've got Chris Cyborg, you have the, the most featherweight champion. You have the most successful women's featherweight fighter of all time versus the biggest one-hit wonder in MMA history. Yeah, that's not accurate, but... Again, you have, again, but Cyborg... What is, what's Holly Holmes' record in UFC title bouts? Uh, one in UFC title bouts. What one and two? Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, it's she... about to become. It's about to become one and three. 
Uh, to be fair, like the judges had gotten the Jermaine Durandamy fight right. We could have had this fight several months ago, and it would have been awesome then, too. Uh, it wasn't really... the judging, it was the refereeing in that fight. That, and the too. Cheap shots. I mean, the, 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 the refereeing. The, the decision was the correct decision. I have never, in the three times I've rewatched that fight, scored that fight for Durandamy. Fowles notwithstanding. Holly looked awful in that fight. She's overrated. You know, that, that's a different discussion, because that one might be accurate. But uh, Again, I, I really like this fight. I, I mean, Chris Cyborg hasn't fought a legitimately good striker in... Jeez, ever? Hold on. <laughs> I might say ever. Um, Marlos Kunin's not a striker, and that was... I mean, uh, maybe Carano? You could argue... Okay, yeah. I'd say Gina's a good... Gina was a pretty good striker. But other than that, I mean, Marlos Kunin's primarily a grappler. Jan Finney's primarily a grappler. Yamanaka was a non-factor. She beat Kunin again... Yeah, it's been literally years. I'd say since the Carano fight, so six years. More, geez, eight. That was yeah. in two thousand. That was in August two thousand nine. So we're, so yeah. we're eight years. Yeah, over it's eight, been eight years. years since since she's fought a legitimate striker. I am very interested to see. Well, well, you're not counting her kickboxing fights. She lost to... I am um, not... Ca- no, no. For the sake of this, I am not counting her kickboxing All right, battles. whatever. All right. And the one legitimately talented kickboxer she fought, she lost. Yeah, uh, but Yurino- I mean, it's... It, look, there, there's, there's not that much competition this high up. There isn't. I mean, look, it's this like is not... Did. Like, I'm not saying she's ducking some... There's not some mythical, like, ta- like uber... Women feather women's featherweight out there that Cyborg is ducking that that doesn't exist. She's Even fighting. Marlus Kunin was really more of a bantamweight. That was yeah, more no, of her ideal weight class. You know, like Cyborg's been fighting the best that she can fight, and the fact that that's underdeveloped isn't really on her. But this isn't a. I don't think Holly's the type of fighter that Cyborg is going to be able to just bully with you know raw pow- with raw striking power the way she just kind of massacred, you know, uh, Lena Landsberg or even Tanya Evinger in kind of that respect. You know, people who are overly aggressive against Holly tend to lose because she is, she fights so well when you give her openings like that. Uh, by contrast, I, I'm very curious as to how Holly will deal with someone who is more physically on her, you know, to her stature. Holly's a very large bantamweight, and she's uh, she's a big featherweight. You know, she's she's a for those weight classes, she is uh, she's you know I, I say big, I don't mean you know she's heavy or anything, but she's a for those weight classes, she's a big girl, and Cyborg won't be able to just bully her with size. By uh, again on the other side, how is Holly going to deal with someone who she can't be physically larger than and use that to her advantage? How are they going to match up in the clinch? Um, both women have a lot 
I have a lot of fights there. Uh, you know, Cyborg does a lot of work with knees and elbows in close quarters. Holly doesn't mind stalling things out while she finds a better angle of attack from there. What's Holly going to do if this thing hits the mat? Because Cyborg on top of you is significantly more dangerous than Misha Tate on top of you, and she had very little to offer Tate from that position. What's going to happen is she's going to get destroyed, Robert. I tend to lean that way. I tend to fa- I I do favor Cyborg in this rather rather her significantly. UFC record her UFC record is four and three. She got outstruck by Valentina Shevchenko. Everyone gets okay? outstruck by Valentina Shevchenko. But Shevchenko's a much. I mean, I mean, I mean, she has serious size on 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 uh, Shevchenko. Yeah. Um, and she and arguably better boxing. Um, in she, terms of strict boxing, with, yes, but, but yeah, again, but well, again to be her. fair, Shevchenko should be bantamweight champion. Like Shevchenko's exceptional. Yeah, yeah. But she had height and reach. She had serious height and reach on Shevchenko, and couldn't deal with that. She got out grappled and submitted by Misha Tate. Um, Ronda Rousey did not fight a smart fight against her. She's um, Ronda fought the only way Ronda knows how to fight. She's going to get destroyed. Going to be ugly. Yeah, I again, I favor Cyborg pretty heavily in this in this fight. She will, she will, and this will cement her status as the biggest one hit wonder in UFC history. You can you can crow about Matt Sarah. It's still Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah. Matt Sarah um, only lost one title fight. After this, Holly Holm will have lost three. Matt Sarah only had two title fights. So what? That's still and, that's still and one of them he backed less. into. What? He backed into the one with GSP. He he backed it. Holly Holm is backed into everything else. She backed into no, a Holly- title shot with. The Durandamy coming off a loss. Yes. No, no, the Durandamy one she backed into. That's absolutely true. Um, she hasn't even fought at women's featherweight yet. Her last fight was uh was against um Kohea, and it was a bantamweight. Yeah. Uh, look, if the so division are, was I mean, actually look, she's she was gifted this shot because there's no one for Cyborg there's no to one fight. Else. That's no, that's absolutely true. So, I mean, she is – what do you call this except but if she loses this but a one-hit wonder? This is, def- this is textbook. Textbook no, one-hit wonder, Robert. In general, if you're referencing only her MMA career, yeah. She, has yeah. Ex- she, got ex- she received a lot of hype. From well, I said in MMA Ronda. history. I said in MMA history, I, not boxing. I don't think she's the biggest one-hit wonder in MMA history. And you and you were want and you were wanting to crown her ahead of Misha Tate, the greatest women women's combat athlete ever. If we're talking about all combat sports, she is miles ahead of Misha Tate. No, I'm sorry. What's Misha Tate done apart from win the UFC title and then get absolutely obliterated by Amanda Nunes? She won the Strikeforce strike force title. Won the strike. Won a won a won a one night tournament. How about that? 
Oh, a one-night oh, tournament. Never done that. One-night yeah. tournament. Wow. What is this, 2002? Holly Holmes never done that. She's never done yeah, that. She, she actually has. In MMA? No. But again, we're, if we're talking all combat sports, the whole discussion is different. All right. I mean, if we're talking all of combat sports, I don't actually consider too many women in MMA to be in the discussion. I, Straight up. You, 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 your problem is you like to label people. You're too quick to label, you know, and I think that's the problem. And that's fair. My when I the facts speak for themselves with Holly Holm, and it's going to continue for this fight. So I'm sorry to all you Holly Holmes fans, or Holly, excuse me, Holly Holm. I don't know why I did that. It annoys me when people call her Holly Holmes. I mean. For all of Holly Holmes fans, it's going to be a rough night. So, I'm sorry, In all likelihood, Robert. yeah. No, no. In all likelihood, it is. Like, again, I, I think Cyborg takes this. Okay. Co-main event is really good, though. Uh, Co-main event just reminds me of how much I hate what Conor McGregor has done to the lightweight division. Uh... Um, this should be for a title shot. <laughs> Like, it still could the, be, technically. I I will be shocked if, again, again, this is just logistically, I'll be shocked if it is. But you have Khabib Nurmagomedov and Edson Barboza. This is about as good as a lightweight fight as you can make. I mean, this Does is an exception. Does Nurmagomedov fight. make it to this fight? Does he actually make it to the cage? <sighs> Probably. He had so many setbacks. So many. I mean, he has not even he has not even officially fought this year, Robert. No. No, he has not. This will be I his have... this will be his first fight in the, uh, this year and his first fight in uh, let me see in basically over a year. Uh, thirteen months over a yeah. year. Had the had the had the title fight set with Ferguson. I mean, can he even make weight? Yeah, I imagine he can. Um, again, I I wish you know that wasn't a major issue surrounding this fight, but it is. Uh, because I I love the fight. I mean, you've got a explosive, dynamic striker. And Edson Barboza, who has really done a good job of shoring up the deficiencies in his game. It used to be that all you needed to beat him was intelligent pressure, and he just couldn't settle, and he couldn't get into a rhythm. And if he couldn't do that, he was, you were going to beat him, because he didn't really have a plan B. He's done a significant job of shoring that up, of starting to turn and working with in angles. His, and in working his last his, three fights. And you know what? He beat a, he beat a former champion in Pettis. He beat a former lightweight champion and a former UFC title contender in Melendez. And he beat a a, a top ten opponent, I, I think at least at the time, in Benil Dariush. So 
he, oh, that, he's, he's might have had, he might have scored the knockout of the year against Daryush with that knee. That was well, something he's else. Definitely looked better uh, in these in these last few fights. And and you know what? Here's the other thing. Barboza has consistently been he's consistently been fighting in one of MMA's toughest divisions for quite a while now. He's been in the UFC since let's see, uh, since 2010. He's been in the UFC seven years now. And his only losses are to Jamie Varner, uh, Jamie Varner, Donald Cerrone when Cerrone was pretty much an epic title contender, Michael Johnson, and, and, and Michael Johnson has had his fair share of decent wins, also decent, you know, some questionable losses, and Tony Ferguson, who's the current champion, really. Um, Barboza is, a, is an exceptional fighter. He's an exceptional yes. fighter, but can't – this is this is his se- really second chance to prove he can be a title contender. It could arguably his first. Can he become a title contender? This is his chance to prove it. He is fighting for all intents and purposes arguably the top contender in the division right now, the top title contender who has been hampered and sidelined but just all these various issues outside the cage. Um and for Barboza, it's like you said. It's always been that sort of forward pressure, pressure and aggression is all you needed to beat him. And Robert Nurmagomedov, is no, he is no slouch as far as aggression goes. So No, he is all about aggression. Barboza He's all about pushing you and getting you close. Here. But pre- pressure is what makes diamonds, Robert. So it are is. we going to see pressure – create a diamond in Barboza on this fight card. <sighs> I, I, let me say this. I, I won't be surprised if Barboza wins. He is powerful. He's intelligent with his strike selection. He's got heavy hands. He's got obscenely strong leg kicks. He's incredibly athletic. I mean, again, the timing on that jumping knee he ended Dariush with was impeccable. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And I would love to see a rematch between him and Tony Ferguson. I really loved their first fight. I think that was the first time we saw Barboza show off that he had learned a little bit how to deal uh, some of the correct techniques to dealing with pressure. Cause a lot of the same mistakes he had made against guys like Michael Johnson and Jamie Varner. And when he fought Danny Castillo, even though he won that fight, he wasn't making those same mistakes against Tony Ferguson. He made some other mistakes and wound up succumbing to just the pace of Ferguson more than the pressure. But again, like Tony Ferguson is essentially the champion for a reason. I don't think he's going to be, again, I, I won't be shocked if he wins, but you're dealing with a guy whose ability to force you into just the most miserable position possible is maybe unparalleled. Nurmagomedov doesn't just get you down. He attacks you from so many angles when he does so. It's never just one shot. It's never just a double leg. It's never just a single leg. It's a single leg into a high crotch, into a body lock, into a trip, into a outside reap, into an inside trip, into a sacrifice throw into whatever. He never stops with it. He chains those together 
so well, and it's something that so many guys, so many grapplers in MMA don't do. They stop after that first attempt. They don't continue it, and he never stops going for it. And if he's on however, top of you, oof, you're never really getting however, out from under this guy. However, Tony Ferguson says Habib is a fragile fat ass. Is he correct in his assessment? Tony Ferguson says a lot of things. He's the champion. He is, and I'm not infringing on his right to say that. I don't believe... Look, when Khabib walks around at 200 pounds, we can make discussions about his weight. As for his fragility, I mean, injuries happen to the best. No, they've happened to Tony Ferguson. They've happened to, you know, again, everyone has suffered significant injuries if you're in MMA for any appreciable length of time. It's inevitable. Uh, I got Khabib here probably in the second round. But I love this fight, and I am really looking forward to it. Uh, this should be a really, this should be a really, really good fight. I'm picking Barboza. I've lost I, faith in in, in Habib. I, again, I won't be shocked if Barboza wins. He's he's an exceptional fighter. But I, um, I'm really looking do you forward think to he that. Can stop the takedowns, though. So we know Habib is going to want to shoot in on him. <sighs> Nobody has. Point. I mean, again, but, if if Khabib only did the you know the blast double, yeah, Barboza's hips are excellent, but that's not how Khabib shoots. All right. he wants is to get any kind of physical contact with you, because if you get your hips back but you don't get underhooks, suddenly he's got your body, and he's going to keep driving, and then you're going to run out of real estate, or you know you sprawl, but again, you don't control his body and he turns an angle on you and gets your back it, there's so many ways he can force this to the mat uh, it might again if, if if he succeeds on his initial attempt I'll be a little surprised because Barboza is very good at stopping that but I really don't think Barboza is going to be able to stop the second the third the fourth effort and then force distance from them so Uh, that's kind of why I'm leaning towards Khabib. If this were, you know, a generic wrestler, yeah, Barboza pretty cleanly, but Khabib is not a generic wrestler. Uh, next up, you have a another really good bantamweight fight. This is another one I'm really looking forward to. Jimmy Rivera, he was supposed to fight Dominic Cruz on this card, which, oh, I'm so sad that didn't happen. Speaking of but, fragile, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Dominic. Again. <laughs> yeah. At it's, least, look, at least I said that, and he's got two UFC titles. So there you go. Again, I I love Dominic Cruz, but somebody I somebody made the best comparison to him. Uh, he's kind of like a Formula One racer. Either everything is working, and he performs at this ridiculously high level, or there's something wrong and you can't actually work and you know, it has to be in the shop until it's repaired. But instead we get Jimmy Rivera versus John Lineker and I'm always down for a John Lineker fight. Um, Jimmy Rivera is on an absurd winning streak. It's like 20 fights. Five. 
Yeah, five in the UFC. Um, he's coming off of a big win, two big wins. He beat Uriah Faber. He beat Thomas Almeida. Both of those pretty cleanly. And now he gets, you know, John Lineker, a guy who is <laughs> never going to stop. He's going to push forward and he's going to try to bang you out because that's what he does. I don't like picking against I John like Lineker. Um, just because it takes a really, really specific type of fight to negate what he does. And much as Jimmy Rivera's a great fighter, he hasn't shown the ability to deal with that just yet. I'm picking Rivera. I'm picking Rivera, too. Again, I don't like picking against Lineker, but I, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to Jimmy Rivera in the title picture. I mean, he's that good. I think Lineker's a great striker. He's fast. He's quick. But um, I think I think Rivera, he's going to take him down. He's going to break him down on the mat, kind of like Dillashaw did. Eh, I think he'll have a hard time. Tr- he'll have a harder time doing that than Dillashaw did. But maybe a harder time. But I still think he's going to be. I think he's just going to overwhelm him in other areas other than the striking. I like Dillashaw. Dillashaw. I like Rivera at distance. He's got some really good uh, leg kicks, some good calf kicks, and he's a really he's a solid striker in his own right. This is likely going to be an exciting fight, and I'm again I'm looking forward to it. I'm leaning Rivera, but John Lineker doesn't lose very often. I mean, his only bantamweight loss is to the champion, so. <laughs> Again, bantamweight's a great division right now, and I I really looking forward to this fight. Um, next up, we have a strawweight fight: Cynthia Calvillo fighting Carla Esparza. Boy, the UFC's really banking on Calvillo. They're 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 pushing her pretty hard. Um, I mean, with some decent reasons. Oh, Calvillo right. Calvillo is three and zero in the UFC just this year. Uh, she's Me too in Calderwood. I mean, look, Calderwood, you know, she's no joke, you know? No. Um, and she beat uh, she beat Montana Stewart in her first fight of this year, which was uh, outside the UFC. And, you know, Esparza, you know, first UFC. Esparza might champion. be the worst UFC champion ever. <laughs> I mean, she's I mean, coming off a win, so she's got that going for her. Uh, I, I'm really struggling to pick against Cynthia Calvillo here. Really? Look, Carlos Spars is a decent Ni- wrestler. What about Nico Montagna? You think she's worse than Nico? We'll see. I think as of today, yes. I mean, if okay. Nico flames if Nico flames out and is released in three fights, then yeah, like, easily that'll be Nico. But I mean, at the moment, you've got what like I, I, I sat. I'd have to really think about it. But anyway, as far as this fight goes, I, I really, I mean, as far as is a decent wrestler, but 
she does a lot of lay and pray. And Calvillo, Calvillo's really good at transitions. Yeah, but I mean, Calvillo's more of a grappler, right? That's her thing. Yes. As far as 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 a grappler, then Esparza wasn't even able to grapple at all against uh, Ioana. Um, Huh. Who do you think has the better striking between the two? Ugh. Probably Calvillo. Uh, as far as the strike, really, you think, you think, you think, just pure striking stand up, Cavillo, even even at just six fights has the edge, six pro fights, a slight edge, yeah, in terms of her okay. striking technique. Okay. As far as the striking technique is awful. Yeah. I mean, as far I, as is a wrestler, she's a wrestler. She is. Uh, again, like I'm not knocking her entire skill set, but. You know, her fight with Juliana Lima, even though she won, she got pieced up on the feet. She lost to Randa Marcos despite having top position because she just didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Had uh, nothing I, I, for Ioana at all. Not a thing. At all. That was comically one-sided. I like Calvillo here, but there's a there's a chance this winds up being, you know, an experienced veteran who's able to do something against a young up-and-comer who just hasn't had the seasoning yet. That would be a little surprising to me because the Spars has been so pedestrian since winning the title. But uh, I'm leaning towards Calvillo here. Uh, how about you? What are your What's your prediction for this one? Man, I mean, I like Calvillo, but like, I always just I, I I try to be cautious when getting behind sort of like a like a new pro. Cavillo is still a new prospect for all intents and purposes, and she's had good performances, but I still think she's still untested in many ways. So I want to pick her here. It's just um, I don't I don't know. I, I like. I'm not saying Cavillo is like Mickey Gall, but like look, look at Mickey, look at where Mickey Gall is now. You know, every, you know, everyone thought because Mickey Gall beat CM Punk in Sage Northcutt that his crap didn't stink, right? And then there were those people? Look what happened. And then look what happened with Gall's last fight. I'm not saying look, Gall is clearly he's still a prospect, even with that loss, and he's still talented, and 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 I'm. And I'm not saying Cavillo has beaten like Ham and Eggers or anything. It's just that I don't want to call her. I don't want to like dub her a future champ just yet, or a future contender just yet. Um, no, I'm, I mean I'm not prepared to make that leap. Screw either. it. I'm picking Esparza. I'm picking Esparza. All right. I think it's gonna and, be. I think. I think it's just gonna be you know grappler versus grappler, and Esparza will have a slight edge, but we'll see. All right, and kicking off the main card, the return of the natural-born killer. Uh, Carlos Condit, for the first time since August of last August year. August 2016. When... Well, I'm picking Almost... Magni here. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. Um... Yeah, and Carlos Condit fighting Neil Magny. Uh, 
again, this is I kind of like this fight. Um, Magny's in a bit of a rough in a bit of a rough patch at the moment. He's just one and two in his last three. He was blown out of the water by Lorenz Larkin and Rafael dos Anjos. And in between those, he managed to beat Fat Johnny Hendricks. Um, this is a pretty good fight. Magny still vi- has Magny still has twelve wins inside the octagon. He does. He still has. Uh, he still has tied the record for most wins in a calendar year. He has five wins. He won five times in 2014. Only one uh, other man has done that. Yeah, only it's him one, and Cowboy. Only one other fu- uh, or, or two, mate. Uh, did Cowboy actually do it? Uh, no, sorry. Cowboy has Roger fought Huerta. five times in a calendar year. Yeah, uh, Roger yeah. Huerta is Huerta. the other guy to Huerta. win. 5-0. and oh. And that was in two... It took seven years for that to happen again. The closest, I think, was uh, Cerrone. I think he went 4-1. and one. He went 4-1 um, that year, yeah. Right. Um... I like Magny here. I'm sorry. I mean, again, Magny's good if he can really keep this. Honda was long... ready to retire a little while ago. He thought about he it. He was ready to. He was ready to retire before the Maya fight. I don't think. I don't think his heart's in it, man. But we'll see. I think if his heart if wasn't Condit... in it, he wouldn't do it. If we we've seen guys retired, come back, and, and, and still fought a cu- fight a couple more times, and it was not pretty. Um, no. And it might be that this goes that way with Condit. Um, I love Condit. Um, he was always a good action fighter. He had some of the most technical striking uh, in the division, in the UFC. Um He's called the natural born killer for a reason, but this is to me this Neil Magny is not like what you're looking for in a tune up fight. It's not Neil Magny, Robert. Um No. Uh, he's not a, are, he is not a get well fight, that's very true. Look, look. Technically there are no get well fights in the UFC when you get right down to it. Because we've seen plenty of situations where where Fighters are put in those situations and they still lose. However, this fight especially, Condit is fighting a guy who has been in there, who's very experienced, and, you know, maybe Magny, you can't really consider him an elite competitor right now, and, I, and that's more than fair. But Magny has been in there, he's fought a who's who of the division, and he's won against a lot of those guys, including a man Condit was not able to beat, Johnny Hendricks. Let's not forget that. Condit was not able to deal with Johnny Hendricks in his three-round fight. Magny was. And Magny was able to beat best him. So, this is To be is fair, that was fight. pre-USADA Hendricks. Whatever. <laughs> to me, this is not a fight. This is not the type of fight for a guy like Condit after he's not fought since August 2016. It's a it's bad. This is it's gonna be bad, man, and he's gonna look flat and rusty. And Magni might he might he might uh lose a round, but he's gonna stop Condit. 
and we're gonna be and we're gonna be laughing about this. And you're gonna and you're gonna redub Magni, the future UFC champion, after this. So watch. You you're calling Magni to get a finish. I'm calling I'm calling it, man. I'm calling my spot right here. I'm calling it. Calling my shot. I feel good. All right. I mean, his last you finish was over. And that's okay. No, no, you like know, I, I get I'm not surprised you No, no, no. Like picking Magni is not is not wrong. Like there's a very yeah. I'm surprised you think he's going to finish him is all. Well, look, look at look at Connit's record. His record is 1 in 3 um in his last 4. 2 and yeah. 2 and 3 in his last 5. Yeah, but like Magni's not a finisher. Is more my <laughs> Surprise there. Uh, let me see here. In his last, like, ten fights, he's finished Hector Lombard and Hyungu Lim, and that's it. So? Carlos Condit, uh, his last finish was uh, Thiago Alves over two and a half years ago. I, I don't think either guy's going to get a finish, to be perfectly honest. Magny's, Magny's going to get a finish. I, I'm leaning Condit here. A um, couple of very specific reasons. Oh, here's 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 my specific re- reason. Okay, go Condit's ahead. takedown defense. His takedown defense is terrible. It always has been. It's been terrible his entire MMA career. His grappling defense is terrible too. That's why Magnil won. His grappling defense is pretty good, but his takedown defense is a serious liability. And if Magny That's had why a good he lost the fight with GSP. If he had if he had takedown defense, he maybe had a better chance of beating GSP. Even with good takedown defense, GSP GSP takes down guys with good with exceptional takedown defense. When he was in that when he was in that form, like nobody was taking down Tiago Alves. GSP took him down frequently. My big concern for Magny in this fight is he can't fight long. By which I mean, that's not, an ad, that's not a comment on his skill set. He's actually got much better about managing his length and range recently. But he's not going to have a significant high-to-reach advantage to utilize that. Condit's a long guy as well. Um, Magni also struggles a bit in the clinch. If you're at distance, he's, he'll pick you apart with, you know, that kind of skipping stone jabs that he does. He fights long really well. If he gets on top, he's very good. He's got a good passing game. He's got solid top control. Uh, it's his takedowns that are less than stellar. And his again, his clinch game is kind of so-so. Uh, I won't be shocked at all if the rust is too big a factor and Magny wins this. Um, I will not dub him future UFC welterweight champion after this fight regardless. Uh Okay, no, no. I will set a very specific condition by which I will re-anoint him future welterweight champion. If he wins this via flying leg scissor heel hook, I will, I will redub him that. But short of that, I think that ship has sailed uh, for Magni. But it's a, it, that's a really good way to kick off the main card. That's a really solid fight, so I am looking forward to that one as well. All right, as for the prelims, ugh. We were supposed to get Khalil Roundtree and Gokun Saki, and I can't tell you how much I would have looked forward to that. 
But Saki got injured. Sucks, but it happens. Uh, Roundtree now fights Mikhail Oleksajuk. Um, this is kind of a gimme for uh, Roundtree. Because he hits really, really hard, and anyone who knows how to deal with that is probably going to beat him at this point in his career, but he still hits really, really hard. Uh, Dan Hooker is fighting Mark Jacquesi. It's a good fight, actually. Um, Jacquesi lost to Dracar Close. Hooker... Yeah, he knocked out Ross Pearson. This is a tough one for Hooker, who's just not an athletic guy. Mark Jacquesi has a lot of explosive motion to him. I, I kind of like Jacquesi. Uh Miles Jury is back. Jeez, he hasn't fought. He fought in April of this year, but he took like a two-year layoff before that. Um, Jury is fighting Rick Glenn. Rick Glenn coming off of that uh, unholy mauling of Gavin Tucker. I kind of like Glenn here. I might be wrong about that. Uh, but I'll lean towards Glenn. Uh, flyweight, we have Louis Smolka versus Mateus Nikolau. Louis Smolka needs this one. He's on a three-fight losing streak. Um, I think he'll get it. Um, Nikolau coming off of... He's 2-0 in the UFC. He got Bruno Rodriguez with that Japanese... Was that really a Japanese? Somebody has mislabeled that. But he beat John Moraga. That was close, though. Uh, I like Smolka there. And then... Of what we have announced, kicking off everything, will be Marvin Vittori and Omari Akhmedov. Uh, Vittori... Is he cutting? Or is Akhmedov moving back up? Has Akhmedov always been a middleweight? What's going on here? No, he's moving up. I like Akhmedov either way. Uh, Vittori doesn't... Vittori's not bad, but uh, I question how he'll deal with the type of pressure and wrestling that Akhmedov brings, but uh, anyway, that's your group of prelims. Jeff, do you have anything you're especially looking forward to from that group? Man, the prelims are a little flat for me this 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 card around, actually. Uh, nothing really... I mean... Oh, Miles Jury versus Rick Glenn, I guess, is a decent lightweight contest. See how, see how Jerry does. He fought one. Yeah, that's about it for me. All right. Yeah, it, it's it is. It's kind of an uninspired batch of prelims so far, but main card solid. It's a solid main card. That's a really good main card. All things considered. Um. Uh, we were yeah. Th- this is this event has lost a couple of fights. Um. There was supposed to be a fight between Kamara Usman and Emil uh, Weber Mech <coughs> on this one. Mm. Um, Mech finally sorted out his visa issues, but that fight got pushed to UFC 220. Oh, and Gokhan. Uh, uh, yeah, we, again, Saki we were supposed to have Roundtree and Saki, which yeah. would have been would have been so great. But and of course, we lost R- Rivera versus Cruz, which. I mean, I mean, Rivera versus Lineker is a good, as good a replacement as you can ever get, you know, considering yeah. both guys. I mean, it's a mi- it's a downgrade, but that's a real minor downgrade. It's a good, uh, it's a good down, it's a good downgrade. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. Fight, so come the third fight fans. Yeah. So come the thirtieth, I will have coverage of that event in the MMA Zone four one one Mania. So stop by and say hello. Thank you for all that you do with that, Robert. Uh, thanks. You're welcome. Uh, all right. Were there any major news items we want to touch on? Uh, Mark Hunt uh, has uh, to fight again. He, uh, I think he's going to fight. They announced him in Blades, didn't they? Yeah, I believe it's uh, uh, Curtis Blades. So I don't think it's a coincidence that you and I specifically <sighs> mentioned that last week when we <laughs> brought so up Mark Hunt. Be, okay, so that'll be UFC 221 in Australia. So that'll be the Perth card, Luke Rockhold versus uh, Robert Whitaker as the main event. Um so it has to be a pretty decent card. Yeah. Um, let's see. Were there any other major fight announcements recently? Uh, I think there were too many. There weren't too. I don't think there were any too many. I mean, we know we know that Hunt he's going to be fighting again. Uh, Verdum got fined $600 for that incident where he threw a boomerang at Colby Covington in Australia. Wait, uh, wait. It only cost me $600 to strike Colby Covington with something heavy? Um, in Australian uh, dollars. 460 in U.S. It wasn't even 600 U.S. dollars. You know, so. I can't express how tempting that is. <laughs> So basically, nope, it only costs you $460 to assault someone with <laughs> a boomerang <laughs> in, in, in New South Wales. So if you're ever in New South Wales, you might hit someone. If, if Colby Covington ever returns to New South Wales, I hope there's a mob of people with boomerangs. <laughs> it would only cost him 460 U.S. dollars. Um, da, da, da. Let's see. Um, there so was a ruling that... on the death of Tim Haig uh, by by an in, uh, invest. There was an independent investigation into the, I guess, the circumstances surrounding uh, his his death, and I think it was ruled um, it was due to missteps in the commission and just not. It just seems like there was a lack of due diligence in looking at uh Haig's fight career and his recent his recent bouts. Um the Edmonton Athletic Commission said they welcome the release of the report and they look forward to reviewing its findings and recommendations. And they take the issue seriously. I mean Haven't they suspended all combat sports in uh the province of Alberta? That or at least in the city hear. of Edmonton. While they that sort I did the, not hear. Uh, I could have sworn they talked that. about it a couple of weeks ago that like uh, that that either that commission or like because there's no governing body for the province of Alberta. Look, it is a city by city thing. On on some level, Hague and his camp they deserve some culpability on this, or at least whoever was managing. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Hague had to have some people around him. Um. I mean, but he had participated in some 
it, it seemed like the, there was there was just sort of a lapse in he wasn't the, the medical suspensions weren't enforced. Um, it just seems there was a lack of due diligence on the commission's part and paying attention to Haig and what was going on with him. But, uh, man, it still sucks. But so that's the situation there. Uh, I don't know if if this could. I don't know if this makes the commission liable for I don't know a wrongful death on any level, or if his family is going to pursue that or try to arrange some sort of settlement. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see that coming. Maybe not in the next six months, but if there's some sort of civil lawsuit over this, I think it's possible we see something like that. Uh, This uh, might be. Cena's going to fight again. Your favorite fighter. Oh, God. He's fighting Eric Anders uh, at UFC in Brazil, in Bellum. Yeah, but the UFC cares about fighter health. So there you go. Oh, Oh, and uh, here. Oh. Here's one more thing. Uh, did we ever get to Rampage fighting Chael Sonnen at Bellator 92? I am tempted to ban all discussion of Bellator on this show because they make me sad. Okay. Um, and did we go over, they officially announced Nganu versus Stipe for UFC and We Boston. talked about that last week, I remember. Okay. Yeah, so I think uh, those are the... That's pretty much as for Sonnen versus stuff. Rampage, I mean, who cares? <laughs> I'm sure Mark uh, Ravelish does. He's going to love that fight. Probably. At least before and after the fight. The fight's probably going to be awful, all things considered. Uh, that That is my assumption as well. Um, oh, this is this might be weird. Um, this this uh, broke today, actually. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, there's uh, MMA coach Robert Fallis apparently passed away very, like either today oh, or before. Within the last couple of days, Do I you think have the fifteenth. Uh, no, um, the, it's on. I think uh, like MMA fighting has a story about it, and a lot of the people that he had trained over the years have mentioned that. Uh, I know Nate Marquardt has said something. Randy Couture has said something. Um, Kevin Lee, the coach at Extreme Couture. He was the head coach at Extreme Couture with, until very recently. He worked with Tate. He worked. He worked with Misha Tate during her title run. Um, man. Yeah, he was a. Uh, he was not uh, as appreciated as maybe uh, you know some of the other coaches, but he was a there driving force behind a lot suicide, of successful but that games. has not been confirmed. So we can't say it was definitively suicide. But you know, it wasn't official. It wasn't reported it was suicide, but there's talk it was. I have no idea. All right. That, that, that's well, very sad, though. Yeah, I mean, regardless of cause. That, that's, again, this is a guy who had done a lot for a lot of fighters, a lot of high-level guys. So. Yep. It's one of those I, thankless roles. Condolences to his family and those who knew him. Uh, I never met him yeah, or anything like that, but... Uh, it sucks. It always does because again, he uh, listening to you know some of the things people have said about him since the news of his passing. Um, you know, makes me think that you know, not ever ever having met him is more my loss than anything else. So, 
Uh, I mean, condolences to again his family and friends. But man, thought that was worth noting. <sighs> Sorry to end on De- a down Definitely. Here. Oh man. Uh, all right, I believe that is everything. Again, this is the last show of 2017. Just due to the way the holidays fall and the UFC schedule. Again, if there were if there was an event on you know the 6th of January, we might have done something on New Year's Eve, early New Year's Eve type thing, but. There isn't, so I will see you all again on the 7th for a review of UFC 219 and a preview of Fight Night 124 through 5. 4. Yeah, I was right the first time. Um, and look, Stevens versus Duho Choi is a pretty solid fight. Um, this is Choi's first fight since uh, the fight with Swanson, which is a great fight. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, geez. Uriah Hall and Vitor Belfort. Why? Just why? Um, that'll end so badly. Anyway, so we'll be back for that one, everybody. Uh, Jeff, is there anything you would like to plug before we close up shop? Yes, check out my official review of Star Wars The Last Jedi, the number one movie in the world right now. Uh, got a thank you for all those who read and commented on the review. Got even more than my uh, Justice League review, so thank you for that. Check out my reviews of uh, the World Series collection on Blu-ray and also the World Series official documentary. Thank you to Shout Factory very much for sending us those Blu-ray sets. So uh, if you are an uh, Astros or baseball fan and you want to commemorate the greatest World Series in the history of the universe, uh, you might want to look into those for the holiday season. Um, also check out my interview with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme for his new show uh, Jean-Claude Van Johnson which is out now on Amazon TV excuse me Amazon Prime I guess you would call it so check out those my next reviews will be Pitch Perfect and likely uh, The Shape of Water which is getting a lot of buzz as one of the best movies of the year and hopefully some awards buzz too uh, so be on the lookout for those. And, uh, yeah, happy holidays to you, Robert. Thank you, everybody, for a great year of the Ground and Pound Radio Show. And take it easy for your holiday season. All right. I'll see you next year, Jeff. Thank uh, you. As for, see you next year. As for me, Mark and I had a somewhat impromptu edition of Damn You Hollywood briefly discussing the buy, uh, Disney buying the entertainment arm of 20th Century Fox. Uh, so you can listen to that in the archives. This Tuesday, Mark and I will be reviewing Star Wars The Last Jedi. I haven't seen it yet. Mark's all agog about it. Um, but it seems to be dividing some of the fans. Uh, there's been some there's been some fan backlash over this one. So uh, and Mark and I will hash that out. The week after that, we will be reviewing, God help us all, Jumanji. Uh what is it? Welcome to the jungle? I don't know. My whole family, literally everyone else in my household, is excited about that movie. I and I would like rather shut my hand in a door. <laughs> I, I don't get it. And I think that's our last review for the year uh, for Damn You Hollywood. So you can tune in for both of those. Again, on the 30th, I will have coverage of UFC 219. Uh, So stop by for that. And we'll be back on the 7th 
of January 2018. I'll be happy to see you all at that point. Uh, until then, everybody, till next year, for the 411 Ground and Pound Radio Show, I'm Robert Winfrey, and on behalf of Jeff Harris, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to what, however you happen to celebrate, and until then, please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. Thank <laughs> you.